Welcome to Labor Pains Podcast, brought to you by Women Connect and Support. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. I am a woman that is very passionate and on a mission to help women and men that are struggling with infertility or loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy. I am here to help share stories of the struggles that couples have gone through to inspire and give you hope to continue on your journey to have a family to love. I have talked to so many men and women that have all told me the same thing, that they all felt very, very alone as they were going through the struggles and the grief. I want you to know that you are not alone and I am here to connect you to others to give you hope beyond the struggles and the grief. Hello and welcome to my podcast. And I am, of course, again, very excited to let you hear um, the story, the journey of an acquaintance of mine that I actually really have not met, but we were introduced by a mutual friend. And I would love, I'm looking forward to hearing her story myself and sharing it with you at the same time. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Megan. Hi, Hi. Megan. Hi. How are you today? I'm well. A little hectic scheduling going on, but doing super well. Good, 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 good. So yeah, we were introduced by a mutual friend. Podcasts and connected us. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to hear kind of your whole journey, your whole story. Um, so I always start the podcast the same way because every woman at some point in their life really desires to have a family. So, and that typically happens sometimes in teenage years, sometimes when younger, but a lot of times when they've met Mr. Right or that that partner, um, that that spouse. Um, and so just kind of want to ask you, when did you decide that you wanted to start a family? How did that all happen? So my husband, which we just celebrated uh, our nine-year wedding anniversary, we've actually oh. almost going on 20 years soon of being together. Um, we, I mean, he's been my first serious relationship and I've always wanted to be a mom, you know, since childhood and. We started having more serious conversations around, around the time we were getting married. We actually, uh, once we got engaged, we actually got married within like a nine month time frame from engagement to actual wedding. So we we really just decided, you know, probably a year before that, you know, we're going to go ahead and start trying for a family and whatever flows after that happens and. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So walk us through that. So I um, decided and started trying and got pregnant right away or struggled with that? No, so we, uh, we started actively trying uh, a year before the wedding. Um, but then actually making it officially and trying, uh, we had to wait to, you know, that three month time frame came around and we're like, okay, what's going on? We mm-hmm. seen a doctor. Um, doctor said have to wait a year before we could really start getting involved and be more invasive in the process. Um, 
six months come around, of course, I'm a worry ward and a type A personality. So I was panicking. They said, okay, again, six, you're only six months in, relax, it'll happen. The year mark rolled around. That's when I started getting more frustrated. And uh, sorry, it's a bit emotional. And, um, and they, uh, they, they put me on medication. They put me on Clomid. Okay. Um, they ruled that I had polycystic ovarian syndrome. And um, they did. The first round of Clomid didn't work. Um, so they bumped me up. During that time, I was I was a pretty sensitive individual. I still am. I wear my heart on my sleeve. Okay. Um, they uh, they uh, during that time it was it was really difficult. I was a totally different person. I was super sensitive. Um, talking about it, I would just completely turn in on myself. Mm-hmm. And of course, during that time, I witnessed and experienced about 26 different friends getting pregnant because you know one thing is that you want in life when you're really focused on it that's what everything around you is going on you know when you when you want to get married all of your friends are getting married when you want to buy a house everybody you know is buying a house so like it was really difficult to go to baby showers and you know not feel sad for yourself Mm -hmm. sure Um, so um I did about five months of Clomid. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, happened. and that not- medication plays havoc on your, your oh, whole, oh, your whole body, your whole system. And it, it actually, it turned the process into a chore. Like oh, my, yeah. And all the things that women go through, um, it takes a toll on your marriage. It really does. Like my husband, God love him. I give him all the props in the world. You know, women are ruled by their hormones. And then when you have a medication that amplifies it by tenfold, I mean, the doctor even said, okay, you know what you go through every month with all the changes of your body and your, your menstrual cycle and stuff. He goes, we're pumping on the gas and we're not, Mm. not letting off. He goes, what you experience then is going to be nothing. He's like, and he was hot flash it. And your libido, it actually takes your libido away. <laughs> it diminishes uh, it. With, yeah. With you, like, and we had a calendar and we charted things and it turned it into like a chore. It was like loading the dishwasher or brushing your teeth. It just, it completely um, made you regret the decision to even do it at some times. Yeah. And um, my husband and I, you know, it it, it'll either make your relationship stronger or, or, or it'll put more strain on it. At least with us, it, it, we had some rough patches. Mm-hmm. But I'm thankful for the support system I have. My mother-in-law and my mom are just amazing individuals. Mm-hmm. It was actually my mother-in-law that spoke up and she said, Megan, what is wrong with you? If you're not happy, we need to get this figured out. You need to get off the medication. You need to talk to a doctor and just let, let's, get, let's get you better. and so she was right she was absolutely right and um well that was awesome that she spoke up you know to and and it sounds like you had a great great support system that's huge that's huge I'm very fortunate we have a great relationship um and um she was right 
but the whole process I'm actually very fortunate even though it's still it's still a sensitive subject but I'm definitely open to sharing it with anybody because during the time I think the hardest part is people just they want to help fix you because it's human nature we want to fix problems Mm -hmm. and it was really hard to tell them I'm not a science project I don't need to be fixed I'm not broken no you're not broken for sure not not broken at all and so I want people to speak up and know that it's okay to be okay upset it's okay to not be okay yeah yeah absolutely you are not broken for by any means. And so the, the whole process of what I went through, I'm seriously a totally different person. And I'm very fortunate because it's actually helped me in my profession. I have way more of a backbone mm-hmm. than I ever did. I don't let people walk all over me like I used to. So it's, it's really helped shape me and make me appreciate the time that I do have with the children that are in my life right now. That's awesome. And it, and it's interesting that you say that because I hear that over and over and over. It really helps the marriage, the relationship, and it helps the woman just become who she's supposed to become, a stronger woman that really can help herself and then also help others, you know, through her journey. So tell us, because I don't know if the listeners know exactly what you were diagnosed with. So can you go into a little detail on that? So as far as the diagnosis went, um, there wasn't really too much of a ruling aside from the PCOS, which is the polycystic ovarian syndrome. That was just more due to the symptoms that I was having, which was the excessive hair growth, the lapse in um, or the non-existent menstrual cycles that I was experiencing, or I guess in that case, not experiencing. And, um, and so I, I stopped the Clomid. They, I seen um, a different gynecologist during that time, which that would have been my third one that I had went to. Okay. And um, the, the third one that I saw, um, which is still my primary right now, he went ahead and put me on metformin, uh, which is actually used for type to treat type 2 diabetes. But they noticed that during the preliminary trials, women that were uh, experiencing uh, PCOS were actually getting pregnant on it for some oh. reason. So they put me on that. It was a thousand milligrams a day. Um, I went from 136 pounds to 116 within a three month time frame, Ooh. Um, which wasn't healthy. <laughs> the medication doesn't make you feel good at all. It actually keeps uh. you from wanting to eat. And when you do eat, it comes right out of you. It makes you so sick um, to your stomach um, because it's, I didn't have diabetes. Um, right. But, uh, it did make me, I also was put on um, a, a one-time antidepressant just to help get things, get, get my mind back into things. The doctor had re- requested if I wanted to stay on it long-term. I told them that my, my depression was situational. It wasn't, my circumstances had changed. Sure. 
and I was able to become pregnant or become a parent in, a, in any capacity, I, there would be no need for me to be so upset. So we did it just a one time just to kind of kickstart things. They put me on the metformin. Um, and it was actually during that whole time, I was actually experiencing menstrual cycles. And then they stopped afterwards. They just uh, stopped. Um, uh, so 2000, 2018, August, 7, uh, August like 17, 2018, I did not have any in 2019. And I, they finally started back up again it was kind of weird but I've only had two this year so um it's uh definitely been interesting um I feel like every time I try to do something my body just goes I'm gonna do what I want (laughs) (laughs) no 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 you're not in control I am and so Uh, I just came to the point I did see a reproductive endocrinologist um, okay he was very confused by all the medications and the testing that the previous um, gynecologist had actually done because they had done them during intervals that they shouldn't have done. And um, Dr. Odom out of uh, WashU, or yeah, I believe he's with WashU, is amazing. Such great bedside manner. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend him for anybody that wants to go that route. Um, we, I did a preliminary consultation with him. He ran some um, some more uh, testing, and he said all the medication and stuff you were on was not going to help you. They actually made it worse oh. um, by putting you on something because they were never going to fix anything that you were experiencing. So in the end, um, it was never really diagnosed, but he said that it was um, prevalent that I had a high FSH level, which is the follicle-stimulating hormone, which mm-hmm. is what is triggered um, to tell the pituitary gland to release the egg and everything. Mm -hmm. Because mine was high, he said it was an indication of either a couple of things, either a low to no egg reservoir, which is that whole biological clock ticking, or it was due to um, uh, early onset of premenopause. Okay. Um, So I never went back. I, I did the testing. Never, never got the results of it. Um, I didn't want to spend more, invest any more money than what I'd already done. Okay. Um, we had talked about IVF. We talked about um, IUIs, but in that case, you kind of need an egg to do that. We didn't know if I had any. Insurance doesn't cover anything uh, at that point. And it was becoming very costly, even just a little bit that we had done. Right. And so my husband and I took a step back. We reassessed the situation. We took some time to just enjoy ourselves because at that point we were, we felt incomplete and a little bit on different paths. So we took a step back and we decided that we're just going to actually live our lives and see where things go. Okay. We had talked about a couple of different options in terms of where we were going to branch out because we still wanted to be, we still wanted to be parents either way. Mm-hmm. We had talked about surrogacy. At that point, I'm, I'm not going to put any other individual through through that. And I honestly wanted to in, experience, the, you know, the back knee, the weight gain. And put my husband through a miserable nine months. I wanted those experiences and right. I didn't want those taken away from me. So we had talked about adoption. And adoption is actually super expensive. If you go through a private agency, on average, it's around $20,000, and none of that goes to the children. Wow. Um, 
it goes to attorneys, it goes to individuals to seek out families. Um, some of it goes to the actual birth parents. And the more that I, I investigated that path, the more it actually made me sick to my stomach mm. um, because it was turning into a transaction of like buying a car. And I'm like, <sighs> that's not what I wanted. Like children are not property. They're not to be purchased. Yeah. Um, and so my husband and I, we actually, it was during one of our, one of our date nights. We ironically went up to uh, the Marcus theater in O'Fallon and um there was a table there that said adoption, foster care. And we happened to go over there and it was a wonderful organization called the Restore Network. And they provided us literature about the foster care system and adoption. And they actually held um, workshops for people that are interested in it, but just don't know about it. And so we talked about it. We thought, okay, I think we're in a great time. We'd actually just moved mm -hmm. um, to a bigger house because um, part of the foster care licensing requires your home to be licensed um, based on room size and things like that. Sure. Mm -hmm. So we did the we did the classes and uh, we went to that initial uh, 101 class and we were completely on board. Um, the Restore Network did an amazing job um, educating us on it and we are actually members of the Restore Network within our area. They've been a huge advocate for us and support. Um, they actually helped us get placed with our first child last year. Wow. And the process was um, was just amazing and we are currently, we, we got licensed. It, we were pretty aggressive. This was obviously pre-pandemic. Um, we got licensed. We started our classes uh, latter part of February last year. Mm -hmm. And we were officially licensed by May. Um, there's a lot of paperwork that goes into it, but and um, a lot of commitment. You definitely need to be on board with it and communicate things. And we were placed with our first child, uh, what was it, a month later? Wow, that was not even a month. That was really, so, that was really, really quick. Yeah, well, it and, was, and it's interesting because some people are like, you know, I don't know if I want to do adoption, you know and all of that but with the time frame because they said oh it takes so long you know we'll have to wait and then a lot of people that i've talked to they're like you know it's nine months for a child and a lot of them they pretty much say for sure within a year you'll have a child you know through the adoption process so it's like it's not that much longer you know <laughs> when you really think about it but it sounds like yours was quicker than that is that right? Yeah, or, I mean, so or was it adoption, a little over a year? So from the time that we we got the paperwork in, we submitted paperwork. We, uh, well, there was a little bit of a hiccup because paperwork got lost. Um, <laughs> um, Things happen. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, we had to do fingerprints, background checks. We sure. had to get connected. They actually do a pre-screening before because there's a lot of people. Unfortunately, the uh, the 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 f word the word foster can have a negative connotation behind it um and so 
we wanted to make sure that when we when we did this, we were going in wholeheartedly. And um, so we did that. We submitted everything, like, what was it, February 15th. We were enrolled in classes. After we did the pre-screening, we met with the licensing worker, and then we just we had to do 37 credit hours of classes, which our instructors were amazing. Um, I highly recommend anybody that wants to just kind of get a glimpse of what uh, what foster care is like. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie Instant Family, um, as cheesy as it says, it, it's like the tip of the iceberg. It gives you a little glimpse of what what you go through obviously there's a lot more involved but it that movie was actually very well done and kind of highlights some of the things in terms of the classes that we did and the the interactions and things with the children and the caseworkers and stuff so i highly recommend anybody to watch that movie okay and um, it was called instant family did instant you say family, okay yeah. all right just want to make sure that the listeners got that all right sounds great i'll have to but, i'll have to yeah, watch we, that yeah, it's a really good movie. Okay. Um, and um, I, and we were very, we actually watched it before we got um, the children in our care. Um, and it was like, wow, that's exactly what we learned. <laughs> and, um, but um, yeah, we were finished with classes. We started February. We were finished with classes by end of March. Um and then it was just a waiting game for paperwork to be finalized. And then we got the official notice. I think it was, what, May 20th that we were official? Yeah, that was quick. And, mm-hmm. But um, we were placed a couple weeks later with a little baby um, straight from the hospital. I actually picked her up. Um, and it's been, it's been a whirlwind ever since. We've enjoyed every minute of it not necessarily the experience that we had envisioned, you know, Sure. I was expecting a baby shower and to gain a ton of weight and (laughs) make my husband's life miserable for nine months. (laughs) Um, Well, you might've, you, you might've did that through the Clomid and all that already. Oh, I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did more than my fair share. God love him. I applaud him. I mean, as much as it's hard on the women to go through it, it's, it's even harder because men want to fix things even more so than women do and when they can't fix you and they don't know what to do and you're not communicating to them they're kind of that fight or flight kicks in (laughs) absolutely that's instilled in them from very young is to when they get married or to protect they're to fix things you're exactly right and so it is hard on them very hard my poor husband, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a godsend. I mean, I, call, I refer to him as my man-child because he'll always be my biggest <laughs> child. Um, and God love him. I mean, we went through some, some pretty hard ups and downs just going through it. I Again, like I said, I was a totally different person. But I'm very fortunate now because I'm in a place that I am a mom um, that I'm, I'm very fortunate for him being there and having the support that I have mm-hmm. with family and friends. But, um, yeah, we, uh, we're now, we actually have, we're licensed for two and we have two little kids in our home. So we went from having the, the notion of never having children to having two children within an eight month time frame of each other. And wow. so it's, it's been an amazing roller coaster and we are, we're kind of an autopilot now and in just enjoying every minute, whether we're 
able to sleep or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So at this point, though, you're just fostering and fostering correct. to adopt. Is that correct? Is that so the plan? The state of Illinois does not do straight foster to adopt. The goal is always with the children in care is reunification, 100%. Um, okay. At the end of the day, the goal is to always reunite the child with their family in some capacity because family is sacred. And unfortunately, with statistics and how things are, there are, there's a lot of children that just don't have the opportunity to go back home. And that is where guardianship and adoption does kick in. Okay. Um, obviously, it takes quite some time for that to happen because there's a lot that goes into the process from the birth parents' perspective of what they need to do. Every case and situation is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll learn about some of those instances um, through your through your foster care training. And it really does open your eyes to, to get a better understanding of how, how your life can be totally different um, just by having the people and the opportunities available to you. Mm-hmm. So... The state really does try in their best capacity to get the parents on the road to reunification. But again, that doesn't always happen. And it can take anywhere from probably three years. There's some kids that stay in the system and age out, um, which is sad. Yeah. Um, But the goal is always reunification. There does come a point that the courts do step up and say, okay, enough's enough. We've given you opportunity. We in Illinois is trying to make some great strides in that. It's just, unfortunately, laws have not caught up with the time. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to get laws changed. Um, yes. So um, they can at any time step in and say, okay, enough's enough. We're going to go ahead and move forward with removing the rights of the parents um, and set up the child for permanency. So um again that is usually for the most part as foster parents you kind of know the path of how a case is going and where the children if it's going to go if they're going to go home or not okay um but you always have to be prepared that the child is going to go home so the biggest thing with us that we get is i could never do this i grow attached yeah 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 if you cannot form any type of attachment to somebody as a foster parent, as a parent in general, you're not doing your job. Yeah. You need to, you need to teach them whether they're with you a minute or they're with you a lifetime. If you can't form some type of an attachment, you are not teaching them how to develop lifelong relationships. Mm. So I want you to get attached to these children because if not, you're doing yourself and them a disservice. That's not what you signed up for. You signed up to be a safe haven and a home for them and somebody there that's going to, to provide consistency and support while their families are getting the same from the state. Sure. Well, and I would think just even if it is a short period of time, it's so beneficial for that child. And you have to go into it that it's not about me, you know. Nope. It's about it's the about child. The yeah. You're absolutely yeah. correct. It is all about these children because, I mean, I'm sure – media has not portrayed the foster care system in a good light, whether that is the foster child over in care because that's something they did. That is a complete and utter myth. The percentage of children actually coming into care for their own accord is very minimal. It's always because the children are the, the victim in a situation. 
whether that's abuse or neglect, um, it's never the child's fault. So we, we try to take that word away. Um, there are children first and foremost. And yeah. foster parents are looked at negatively too. You know, oh, you're in it for the money. Yes, the <laughs> state does provide provides assistance, um, but that money goes all to the kids. We actually spend more of our money on the children than what we get from them. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So there are those that, that look at it as dollar signs, but at the end of the day, you're licensed, your home's licensed, and the money, we all know how much it takes to care for a child. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, Probably more than any of us have, <laughs> you yeah, know, to care for a, a child. It's a, it is. I think there was, it is. I think there was one statistic that it's like, it's like on average $18,000 a year for everything that you pay for a child. And it goes up $10,000 every year, mm. which probably is on the low end. I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're expensive. <laughs> they're expensive. They're very expensive. So I want to go back a little bit just for the listeners and you can uh, reiterate this. One thing that from your story that I'm hearing is, um, you know, you you were told to wait, 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 you know, for that first year. And I have learned just from talking to many women is that, and of course it is hinged on your insurance, but you do not always have to wait you, if you're struggling and you suspect or you think something is really wrong, don't keep going to your OB, you know, get with that specialist as soon as you can. There is so much more, which you learned that they can do, they can test, they can diagnose um, much quicker. So to not go through all of that heartache and difficult time, I think is real important for women to know. And I, and I see that just even with my daughter, it was like, okay, she had to have three miscarriages before she went to a fertility doctor or somebody. And it's like, then she found out later, no, she didn't, but they do have their guidelines, but you don't always have to follow their guidelines. It is typically a year. And then they diagnose you as, um, having infertility, but you can, you can, you can go to a doctor as long as your insurance will, will allow that. And I would say, don't put yourself through like what you went through. Don't do that. Go to a specialist, you know, it is more expensive, but I think in a long run, it's, it's worth your, your health and your mental, um, your mind to, to not to endure all of that heartache and, and misdiagnosis or medications that you shouldn't have been on in, like in your case, that might've been more harmful. So I want to make sure that the listeners know that, you know, it's your body, you know, and, and it's your health and make sure you take control of that, you know? Um, but that's why the podcast too, we want to get the word out about that kind of thing. Women don't know. They're just assuming what their doctor says is what they have to do. And it's not always true. And, and I considering and I completely agree with you there, Teresa. On yeah. That. I mean, there it's, I shouldn't have, I knew, knew something was up from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and I didn't speak up mm-hmm. and that was my fault. I went through what, th- three, three years, yeah. four years 
of struggling with it, that's four years of my life I can never get back. Yeah. Right. But you all the tears and heartache mm-hmm. that I went through was just I mean, in the long run it did help shape me to be a better person, but I contribute that to the strong willed individual I am and the support system I have, which not everybody has that. Correct. So again, if you know something's wrong, speak up. And yeah. if they're not willing to help find somebody else that will, because there's plenty of people that are out there that are willing to help. Absolutely. And, you know, I always want to make sure that the listeners know that, that find the right doctor, find the, the right support system for you. You know, there's no reason to put yourself through hell, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, because it is, it, it is. Um, it's, it's a horrible experience. And, you know, that's the big reason for the podcast is just get word out. So women don't have to struggle so much with that. So tell us about the, if you want to, this is all totally up to you. There may be some um, restrictions on you. So how old are the children that you have now? So the two that we have are under three. Okay. So they're little, yeah, your life is busy. Yeah. <laughs> busy, busy. I mean, in rule of thumb, there's a, a a lot of kids that are coming into care. They train you that they're they're not necessarily up to snuff with their chronological age. If anything, based on their circumstances for reasons coming into care, they're typically half or less. So they're at least half of their chronological age, if not younger, from a developmental okay. standpoint. Okay. So. Having two children that are coming in that are, you know, let's just say, for instance, not necessarily mine, you have a child that's five, just because they're five, they're probably at around a two and a half to three year old development. Okay. So, um, so it's, they train you on all of this and ways that you can help the children um, with it. But yeah, our life is constant activities. I've, been introduced to so many new shows and, and, and just games and stuff with the kids. It's actually being, being a parent and going through what we've, what we've went through to, to get here. It's amazing. It's actually helped my husband and I, we communicate so much more because we have to, we honestly have to, um, just because we had that added, um, that added step of being a part and being affiliated with the state. Um, but it's been amazing. Our relationship has come a long way. That's good. The, the years that we've struggled in the beginning. Yeah. But, and they, they, you know, with, with any time that a couple struggles with having a family, it will either make the relationship stronger or it will destroy it, you know, one way or another, you know, and there are a lot of times that, there's a divorce that happens, which is, which is sad, you know, but it does happen. And I think a big part is what you just talked about, the communication, you know, that's key. You, you have to communicate um, everything that's going on, you know, um, with the children or even what's going on with your body and everything else if, when you're still going through the process of, be, of trying to become pregnant. But anyway, so is two your max or is there a possibility of more? Well, I want as many children as possible because I come from a family of just having an older sibling and I've always wanted a big family. Okay. But right now, 
we're only we're we're capped out at our license based on um, the house that we live in. Okay. Um, so we're capped out now. Uh, we're we're um, your license is good for four years, and then you renew it. So hopefully within the next couple of years, we're planning on getting a little bit bigger home so we can accommodate more children. And at that point, whether these little ones are still with us or we have a new set of individuals in our home, um, we still want a large family and we want to welcome them all. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I am just, I love, I mean, it just warms my heart to hear you just that phrase that you just said, you know, even if we still, you know, if we have the ones that we have now or if we don't. Like, you have such a great outlook on this. And I love that, you know, you feel like wholeheartedly that even if they're only with you a short period of time, it has been well worth that time. And that if they need to go back or can go back to their other parent, their biological parents you're okay with that. And and I love that. It just, I don't know the words to say, but it just really warms my heart that you have a great outlook on that, that you are really serving those children. It's amazing. And that's, that's the goal of foster care. And I, again, I can't speak enough for the pride classes and our trainers that we have. They, it wasn't necessarily just the, the core literature that they went over with us, but it was also their experiences as being foster parents themselves that really helped us understand because there's so much stigma behind the birth parents and how they're horrible individuals and they, how could they do this to their children? And at the end of the day, we all make mistakes. Nobody's a perfect parent. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times these parents are products of their upbringing. And so getting and putting yourself in, in the parent's shoes, is what helped us. I'll never forget. And it's the one experience that spoke volumes to me in class to really help bring that to light. Um, So they had us fill out a piece of paper that said, what are you going to do tomorrow? And who's going to be with you? So we wrote it down. They said, where do you see yourself in five years, professionally, personally, and who's going to be with you? So we wrote that down. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? So we did just that. We filled all that information. Then everybody shared all of their their highlights and their aspirations and stuff. And it was a great time bonding with all of our fellow um, uh, friends from the foster group. And then the instructor goes, take that piece of paper and rip it up because none of that's happening and none of those people are going to be in your life. Now tell me, how do you feel? And we all were like, what? 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 They're like, now you have a glimpse, that feeling of dread. And we wrote down, how do you feel? I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm scared. Now, how do you think a first parent feels when we have to go in their home and take their child away from them? Mm. How do you think a child who's known this way of life and nothing else, and we take them from the one thing that is a constant, whether it's a good thing or, you know, their parents were doing what was right or what was not, that's still the only thing they've known. So like that experience there just spoke volumes and like, you're right. I need to take away my personal feelings because it's not about me. I'm not doing any of this for me. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am getting a benefit out of being a foster parent. I get to call myself a mom. I get to make an impact on the children's lives that are there, whether, again, 
for a short period of time, even the little things, just providing consistency with just the bedtime routines or the daily routines and making sure that their bellies are full. I know that they're growing. I know that they're getting the things that's going to shape them into their adulthood. Mm-hmm. We might not see it now and we might not get the rewards out of it, but it's been so beneficial to, to experience all of this. That's it's really awesome. shaped us and into better human beings, I have to say. Yeah. Wow. I love it. I love it. I, I can't wait to meet you in person. <laughs> we'll have to do that. <laughs> Um, definitely I'm, I'm so thankful you know that we got connected so that I could hear your story and that the audience could hear your story it's very powerful it, it really for myself even has shed a whole different light on um, I kind of knew you know what what foster parents go through and and all of that but it's helped me understand that more so I appreciate that and I'm sure the, the listeners do as well so we're going to conclude with, I always conclude with asking the guest. So Megan, is there thing you would like to share with the listeners um, that we didn't talk about yet that you remember from your journey, your story that you'd like to share or any words of encouragement or hope that you would like to um, share with the listeners? I just want to remind women that are going through it. It's okay to be not okay okay those feelings are valid share them don't keep them in and it's going to make it a lot worse if you push that deep down inside speak up for yourself um know that where you're at now does not determine where you're going to be Mm. keep keep pushing for where you want to go it's going to make you what you're going through now is going to make it 10 times better whenever you achieve that goal whether it's in the way that you envision or not. So, yes, I totally, totally agree that um, your journey's not over. You know, don't give up hope. You know, is a big thing. And like you said, you're you're not broken, and do not blame yourself um, for for not being able to have a child or to conceive or, or any of it. Don't blame yourself. There are a lot of women that are struggling and we need to band together and stick together, share our stories, speak up, like you said, um, and never give up hope. Um, so I appreciate so much you coming on today to share your story, your journey. Um, And unless there's something else, we'll conclude this podcast. And again, I can't reiterate enough. Thank you so much for sharing the story. It has really warmed my heart um, to hear your story. And you're doing amazing. You're doing amazing. Keep going with those little ones for sure. Definitely. Definitely. We're excited about. Yeah. About where we're at now and excited for what their futures look like as well. And yeah, we're just excited. (laughs) Makes it makes, makes all that heartache and and struggle worth it for sure to have those little ones in your home. Absolutely. Awesome. Definitely worth it. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you again so much. Thank you. Wow, Megan, thank you so much for taking time out of your day today. 
to share your story, to share your journey. It has been a difficult one, struggling four years to start a family. But you now, what an encouragement you are. You have two beautiful children that are so blessed and are able to call you mom. And the listeners, thank you so much for taking some of your precious time today to listen to Megan's story. If she inspired you in any way, did she teach you something today? I know she did me. I have a whole different perspective of the foster care system. Do you know someone? Can you think of one person, just one person, that Megan's story would encourage, would impact them? If so, please share it with them. And if you know of several people, or maybe you don't know anyone, if you take the time to share it on your social media and tag me, I'm sure it will touch many, many people that it needs to. If you need to be in touch, if you need to get in touch with myself or Megan, please reach out to me on Facebook through Women Connect and Support or you can send me an email at Teresa and it's T-E-R-E-S-A dot Women Connect 2019 at gmail.com and all of this information is in the show notes along with the website for the Restore Network that uh, Megan referenced and also the movie reference is in the show note instant family and as always I want you to know that you are not alone on your journey that we are here to help you through this most difficult time of your life Thank you.